Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda Offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Jared Whateley, Kane Corns, David King and Bob Murphy with you. We are at the MCG where Melbourne's about to resume its season. It has been far less than what they would have forecasted alone, all of us from the outside. They're in 16th place. They're 3-9. and nine. They've overhauled the coaching department mid-season as they've used the bye to some effect. Let's find out why and how and what comes next with the Chief Executive, Gary Pert. Gary, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, Jared. Whose idea was it to overhaul the coaching department mid-season? Oh, well, it was something we'd always planned to do. I don't think we expected to be... Well, I know we don't expect it to be in this position from a win-loss ratio, but we were always going to review it. And I think because of um, the lack of performance in key areas of the ground, more needed to be done. So um, got feedback from the players, from the coaches, from all the footy staff... You know, and it was a pretty simple thing. What do we need to do in the last 10 games to improve and get the best out of the season? So uh, that straightened everyone up. The players were asked to, um, you know, what are they going to do differently? And it was important that then the whole footy pro- uh, program jumped on board. So this obviously wouldn't have happened if you were 9-3. and three. The conversation would have been at the end of the year. So have you Oh, not done... really. I think most clubs would use this opportunity to review it and go, do we need to make tweaks? Now, if we're in the top four, we're probably making subtle changes and we're not even talking about it because you wouldn't know. Um, but because of where we're at and, and things haven't been working, we've had challenges that we could never have thought of. You know, to, to have the amount of injuries and injuries to key players has really thrown the whole dynamic of the team because we've needed to pull players out of our VFL playing positions sometimes that uh, we weren't setting them for, and that sometimes throws the dynamic of what plays out on the ground, and that then affects the coaching. So um, all the changes we've made have been in a direct response to that. What do you want from the back part of the season? Um, we want to see the team start to play the Melbourne way. That's that's what they call it. There, there is a style of play that Goody has set. We've spent all pre-season doing it. Um, you, you wouldn't have seen it too often, if at all, for four quarters this year, and we've really struggled to do that. Um, but that's what the commitment is. And, and so the restructuring, bringing Jade Rawlings into the forward line coaching position. He's a seasoned coach. He's highly respected by the players. He's very disciplined. Um, and we think he's going to be the key driver of that. We've been putting the ball into the forward line enough, not converting, and, and when we've had chances to kick goals, our, our efficiency's been quite poor. Make that change. In the back half, 
um, we've got a situation again where through injuries to key players in that position we've rotated so many players through like the the back line hasn't been consistent for two weeks in a row and uh, you know any coach will tell you that's where you want stability and we just haven't had it so it really has been a challenge every week did you run these reviews how active were you in that no 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 so I, I'm involved in the conversations and as they roll out but uh, Josh Marnie and, and Goody himself and all the it, it's not one central point it's really all the coaches get together taking the feedback it's a series of meetings but you know a lot of it's in group sessions where we sit there and we discuss it and debate it and um, negotiate those uh, positions so it's not a one-off person driving all these elements you were the fresh eyes coming in this year um, could you see hitting the season with the pre-season that had been had that there were cautions there were alarm bells all over this so the football department presented to myself and the board before the season started that we would have a difficult and potentially slow start to the year because we had so many operations we had key players in, including our two captains basically not have a pre-season and and get in you know a couple of half games in the vfl and and we're going to get their match fitness in the first games of the year um, and, and again, we were going to have to uh, restructure. So we knew we were going to have a slow start, but then what we were planning was we'd get those injured players back and we'd build the momentum, and we've seen that with other teams like West Coast and others, um, and that was how we thought it would unfold. But uh, we've literally been in a situation where we'll get two players back and lose two or three in the same game, and, and that has continually... I've sat in team selection and we have this long list on one side of the board of unavailable players and you're trying to put together teams to play the Geelongs and the Collingwoods and the West Coast. It's, it's been a challenge. So when you measure up what was foreseeable, what is unfortunate and what is unacceptable how do you find the balance in your three and nine yeah so um it's very disappointing um to to be at this win-loss ratio but I, I think it's as much if you were to ask the coaches it's about how we've played the game and so we've seen so many times including games like against west coast and adelaide where statistically we've won the game but we haven't been able to get the score on the scoreboard to get the four points they're the things that we're going you know yes we've got some players that are sitting in the grandstand and not out there playing but we have been in positions if we played our style of football and um, you know converted when we had it in the forward line we, we'd certainly be in a position where the last 10 games could put us into the finals and that, that's what we were expecting. Gary Pert, the Melbourne Chief Executive, Kane Corns. So you did identify that you're probably in the uh, window to win or push towards the flag last year with the way that you recruited. Gary, did you, do you still believe that? And will you go down that path of bringing experienced players into your group at the end of this season? Yeah, OK. Well, I've never been involved in a conversation with the coaches where we've been talking about um, premiership window or we're in a position to win premiership. I, I think most of the teams sort of go, where's the list at? Where are our deficiencies? What's going to make the difference? Just to put us up into that... Um, realm of the top four, top six teams, and then you know you, you need to play the season out from there. I think there was probably a lot more talk outside the club about this is going to be the year we win the premiership, but there was a lot of talk, and and I still support this. Is when you look at our list, we've got our key players, our really talented players in that 22 to 25 year old bracket. They're, they're going to be playing and playing together for the next five or six years. One thing that I did identify when I took on the role, and I said this to the board and I've said this publicly, 
the thing that's going to grow our football department and, and improve the performance is you look at the best teams, the teams that win premierships, they've played a lot of footy together and we're seeing that with the Collingwoods, for example, at the moment. These young players, now they've played their 50, 60, 70 games together and there's a real consistency. Um, we've still, our team's not at that stage. We're still adding to the mix with the Stephen Mays and the Jake Levers who now have got a sort of combined um, uh, playing with that back line of, you know, under five or six games, that's that's something that's going to be great for the future. But uh, um, we wouldn't see ourselves at a maturity level of some of the other clubs that are sitting at the top of the ladder now. If you didn't see yourself there, though, it's unlikely that you would trade away two first-round draft picks for Lever and pick six for oh, May. Look, I, so, I, so you I, must have believed that you were right in amongst it. Otherwise, you'd go to what was described as the best draft in 15 I, years. With yeah, that look, six. I think we would all say that we've got a list that's capable over the next um, four to five years of being right up there. Um, I, I suppose the thing that I pull up is this um, sort of conversation of you guys must have thought that you were going to be um, in the realm of winning premierships. That's, it's sort of just not a conversation that plays out at clubs. They don't really... Um, have that conversation. It's more about we need to be up in the top four. We need to be getting a list, playing a style of football that's going to hold up in the finals and be capable um, when it's at its best and we've got all our players in to be knocking over the best teams. And, you know, I, I think we're in that um, window. Mm. Uh, you would have uh, had a look at your list as well in the mid-season break and identified some weaknesses. Where do you see those weaknesses and, and what do you need to bolster potentially at the end of this year? Well, I think the obvious one when you look at us statistically is that we actually need to have key forwards that are going to consistently be dangerous every week, kick goals and put pressure on the scoreboard because, um, you know, the, the games, even the ones that we haven't won and we haven't played the perfect style, we, you look at how many times we're putting it into the forward line, we're certainly giving ourselves a chance. But to actually have a forward line that can de deliver consistently, and, and as I said, we, we need to have a back line in those key positions that is playing 20, 30, 40 games together consistently. They can predict how each other plays, and we're still formulating that uh, group at the moment. Hurdy, I'm a big believer that you get success through your people, through maximising your players and your staff. The, the, it's a whole club thing. It's a full club thing when you win premierships or have any sort of success. Do, do you think it's fair the way that you've treated Brendan McCartney? It, it's almost like you've apportioned blame on Brendan. He's been mentioned two or three times over the last 18 months, has moved to the bench, out of the box, all this sort of stuff, and now he's out of the role totally at a point where the club's struggling do you think that that's the way you respect the, your, the people that have attached themselves to try and bring this club some success? Do you think that's fair? Um, first of all, I want to agree with what you've said about the fact that clubs win premierships and, and do well. It is the combination of all the people right across the club. When you look at uh, Brendan McCartney, is internally, I've only heard positive things about him. In the restructure, so I'm reading the paper over the last couple of days and I'm hearing it on the radio about there being issues with Goody and, uh, and Macca. Macca totally denies that good... Goody totally He's been moved. It. Whatever but, way you look at it, yeah, whoever but, writes it or reads it or says it, whether it's or, internal yeah, or not. Seven or eight of the coaches have changed their roles, including Goody. There wouldn't be a coach there that hasn't changed their role. And all of them have happily said, 
here's the feedback. Tell me what I need to do for the next 10 weeks to get the best out of this time. Now, Macca will be playing exactly the same role game day. He'll be down on the bench working with Goody and the other coaches exactly how he does it. The role he's taken on, the feedback was this alignment between the VFL and AFL program and the mentoring of the coaches and key players because we're needing to bring more of our VFL players into the AFL team because of the injuries and who's going to create that alignment and Macca was the one identified for the perfect person to do it because he is the great mentor of coaches and players and again, I can tell you now, regardless of what you read, the conversation was literally, these are the things we need to do as a coaching group. Macca, we need to do that role. And he's like, tell me what I need but to could, do. Couldn't you do that without it being so public? I mean, I, I just feel like you've thrown one person to the, one or two people, but mainly Macca, to the wolves by saying, we're moving him out. If he's still performing the similar functions and slight variations to a role, why does this change need to become so public? Well... One is, I think it's important from a transparency point of view that if to we who? are making changes... To the, to the fans. Well, no, no, no. We need to be transparent internally. We need to be transparent to our supporters. We need to be transparent to everyone. And if we're not, it'll get out and be exposed and then you're paying sort of catch up on it. Because in some ways what you're saying is it's a bad thing. If you were chatting to Mackinac, and I've spoken to him and the coaches... This is a positive thing. The players and the coaches are going, this is, this is great. We've reset ourselves for the next 10 weeks. We're going to really maximise this outcome. And the only negative comments that I've heard, I, I, I can honestly say to you, internally I haven't heard a single uh, negative comment about Macca or from Macca. It's, it, there is people outside the club saying, this is what's actually happening and that's a bad thing. That's not being said internally. Gary and like I said, it's not a change to one person's role. Every single coach, including Goody, has had a change and, and a response to the feedback that we got. Players are creatures of habit by nature. How, how have this playing group reacted to the, to the, the restructuring? Yeah, so um, keeping in mind that the changes are in response to their feedback, so they're actually looking forward to it. But it's not all just about the coaches. This is about the fact that the players have sat down and looked at it too and the leadership group and said, what do we need to do to get the best out of the last 10 weeks? It's been a whole football program commitment um, and that's energised them. You know, like the, the process has been really good. Now, I hope we see it out on the field, but definitely across the board, we feel like we've had the opportunity and taken it to ask the right questions, make the changes, and, uh, and, and we'll see what plays out today. Do you think the player leadership group or the co-captaincy, do you think that will be restructured at the end of the year? Oh, look, we're not talking about anything to do with the end of the year because I think we've got enough on our plate right at the moment. So we are lit, all our conversations are about the next 10 games and, and we are trying to get the most out of it. You could argue that some of the things that we're looking at on field and with the coaches and with the whole footy program are ways of sort of going, all right, how might this look into the future in terms of the momentum that we build and roll into next year? Um, but conversations like you're bringing up about captaincies and things like that are there for way down the track. Purdy, the game's got a problem with gambling at the moment. want to know what your assessment is of, of the playing group and what percentage, give us a ballpark figure, of the Melbourne playing group would be involved in gambling. 
Well, I think we've sort of got to see it. I think right across the board, it's, I think it's a challenge for young men that have got money, they've got time and they're in environments where this is seen as a fun entertainment and uh, to most of them, that's exactly what it'll be. Um, but when we see the... And I suppose the CEOs and the clubs have had a lot of education over the years of how gambling can roll out into the industry and compromise the integrity so it's certainly not an area I have any interest or uh, I don't get it I don't I, I don't understand why people do you would have a handle on the group though what, what percentage would be involved yeah there would be a small group at, at the club that do it very socially and they're very conscious of the education but when you look at the sort of the higher level picture when you look at sport globally the way that gambling players officials people around the club who have got themselves into trouble and keep in mind only needs to take one person in that situation and all of a sudden the integrity of sports let alone clubs can be compromised and then what happens even if it's only one person people lose trust in the sport so um, when the AFL takes a hard line on these things I 100% support that is there more that needs to be done um I think ju it's just education, education, education. I, I, it's one of those things you can't say it enough time. When we hear from a young player say, yeah, I did this and it was on my mind, but I wasn't thinking so much about the consequences, uh, it just keeps on reinforcing to you. But it's not only players because the whole betting and the gambling side, anyone that is, has access to information that can compromise um, the industry and give it to people that use it in the wrong way. We've we just got to keep that in mind that this, this sport, we're not like horse racing or greyhounds that was built for gambling. Mm. Football was built for just involved. the sport. Yeah. has so many people involved accessing so much confidential information. Do we, do we need an amnesty? Um, look, I need to be convinced that that's what it's going to have value and it's going to help uh, clean things up. But uh, my, my approach has always been constant education um, and nearly more forceful education of this is what can happen in these situations. So um, it, it, whether a player gets a fine or misses a few games, I think is completely underselling what happens when this goes, worst case scenario. Gary, thanks for stopping by. Great, thanks, guys. Hey, Gary Pert, the Chief Executive of the Melbourne Football Club. This is Crunch Time. Know what the H you're getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.